Our coverage of You Decide 2024 is presented by Big Fish Roofing. They're the roofers you can trust. Big Fish Roofing. 843, and the cold that we're going to be feeling, thankfully, will be a dry cold. Nation's capital got hammered with some snowfall in the overnight hours. It's where we find Fox's Ryan Schmelz. Winter weather may delay some flights getting back to D.C., Ryan, but shouldn't have a big impact on this week's agenda as lawmakers are returning. They got till Friday to pass a short-term funding plan or avoid a pos- or, or have a partial government shutdown. That's right, Rich. And it looks like, you know, we're going to see the first procedural vote on this uh, this continuing resolution or CR, or you can call it a short term spending bill to keep the government open. So that first procedural vote is expected tonight, despite the pretty hectic weather we've got here in D.C., but that'll be kind of the first step. So essentially what this will do, we'll take uh, the January 19th deadline for a government shutdown and also the February 2nd deadline uh, for other parts of the government and move those dates to March 1st and March 19th and, and the, or March 8th, I should say. And this will essentially be a continuation of the current government funding levels that we've been under, honestly, since last December, December 2022, to be specific. So with uh, the likelihood of having to push this forward, where do things stand on trying to get and the Republican leadership trying to get all 12 of the spending bills hammered out ultimately and done? Are we talking about Easter or beyond? Uh, well, we would look. We, they would like to get them done before that new deadline, which will be March 1st and March 8th. But obviously, Speaker Johnson is going to run into a lot of issues. One of the problems right now is that there is a significant number of hardliners who simply don't like the agreement that he agreed to with Leader Schumer, which is to set top-line spending numbers at just under $1.6 trillion. So at $1.59 trillion, they think that is too much. There should have been more spending cuts in there, and that there should have been some type of border policy provisions or other conservative priorities, and they feel like this is just not a win for, for Republicans right now. Uh, I wonder if you've had a chance to work the halls at all. Any reaction to Trump's win in the Iowa caucuses, the resounding win, uh, 30 points? Well, not not in the halls because a lot of those members were actually in Iowa or in their respective districts uh, you know, campaigning for who they chose to, to support. So, it, it, you know, we a number of members already come out and say that they would like to see pretty much everybody drop out and clear the field for former President Trump if they're a supporter of the former president. But, you know, you've got some other members. You know, there's even some hard writers like Ralph Norman uh, of the Freedom Caucus. And you have Bob Good, who's the chair of the Freedom Caucus, who have not rescinded their endorsements of either Nikki Haley or on DeSantis so far. All right. WOKV and Fox News reporter Ryan Schmelz, part of our team coverage on Capitol Hill. Appreciate the update at 846. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Continuing live team coverage of You Decide 2024 as former President Trump scores a resounding record setting win in Iowa with his rivals languishing far behind. Uh, WOKV political analyst Rick Mullaney with the JU Public Policy Institute. This is a win that affirms his grip on the GOP presidential nomination, Rick. Rich, there's just no doubt about it. You said historic win, and it was by a historic margin. Two things. Number one, he's over 50%, and that was a number that a lot of people were looking at. He's at 51%, so even if you consolidated the non-Trump vote, he still had a majority. And number two, it was a historic margin. The largest margin of victory for a Republican in a competitive primary was 35 years ago in 1988 with Bob Dole when it was 13 points. This was 30 points. Certainly, the big storyline out of last night is a big night for Donald Trump. Having said that, this was a very small turnout, 110,000 people. That's less than we get in Duval County in many elections. The last time in 2016, it was 187,000. The weather, I think, contributed to this significantly. But still, sends a very strong message. Donald Trump was a very big night.
You know, a guy who I know in the Des Moines, Iowa uh, area was a precinct captain for Ron DeSantis, and he was on a call during the afternoon, and he said I could uh, put this out on the radio. He says they're targeting a goal of getting 75,000 Republicans to vote for Ron to drive a win. He said uh, the mood on the call with other precinct captains was positive and hopeful, all that leading up to a disappointing finish for a candidate who put so much attention on the ground game in Iowa, which historically, up until 2016, is the way that you win the Iowa caucus. Rich, you are exactly right. Governor DeSantis really had everything going for him in Iowa. He was there early. He invested in it. He had been to all 99 counties. He had a strong ground game. He had the evangelical vote. He had the social conservatives. He may have been seeking 75,000 votes, but he ended up with about 23,000. In the end, in in December, he predicted he would win Iowa, and of course, Donald Trump yesterday won by about 30 points. The other part that's saving grace for him, of course, is that he did come in second. That was somewhat expected, really, when you consider some of the advantages that he had in Iowa, but it's only a two-point margin over Nikki Haley. Here forward, however, it's a very difficult path forward. New Hampshire is, of course, a very different constituency than Iowa, and that favors Nikki Haley. The path forward for both Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis, very, very difficult. So what conversations might DeSantis be having with his uh, close advisors today, and Haley at that point? Well, for Haley, it's a very different conversation. Her goal was to survive Iowa, and she did. She came within two points of DeSantis. She wanted to come in second place. That would have sent a powerful message, so that was disappointing. But as she goes on to New Hampshire a week from today, she has a realistic chance of actually winning New Hampshire. According to the polling, she was down by about seven points before Chris Christie got out. He had about 12 percent. And Chris Christie, much of his vote is anticipated to go to Nikki Haley. We'll see if, if Donald Trump gets a bounce out of what happened yesterday. But for next week in New Hampshire, if Nikki Haley can pull that off, it's very significant. And then it gives her a month to her home state in South Carolina to hopefully, for her, from her point of view, pull off another upset. For Governor DeSantis, I think it's about trying to beat Nikki Haley and being the alternative in case something unforeseen happens with Donald Trump. For now, we are all at viewing this as a competitive race. It really is not competitive. This is Donald Trump's nomination. He is winning this primary. Last night was an example. And in these early states, look to, of course, New Hampshire and then Nevada and South Carolina before we get to Super Tuesday on March 5th. So far, it's advantaged Donald Trump. All right, WOKV political analyst Rick Mullaney. And a week from today, New Hampshire votes, a lot of ground to cover, one debate that is set to happen, likely only between DeSantis and Haley, and a whole lot of spending that will be on the line as well. Rick, we'll cover all of it here on Jacksonville's Morning News. Appreciate it.